Revelation chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse number 14 all the way to verse number 21. I'd like for you to turn to Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to start reading from verse number 14. Revelation chapter 3, from verse number 14. If you found it, say amen. amen. If you're still looking for it, say wait for me. Okay, it's the last book in the Bible. So just go all the way to the last book in the Bible. It's the book of Revelation, chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, by the way. Praise God. If everyone has found it, say amen. amen. If you're still looking for it, say wait for me. Are you serious? Are you, are you still looking for Revelation? The book of Revelation. Maybe you need a revelation this morning. <laughs> Verse number 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Tell your neighbor, God knows your works. There's nothing you do that God does not know. And this should be a big encouragement to everyone that's here today because... Everything that you have done to the glory of God will be blessed. Amen. God never forgets. God never forgets. And I want to say this, God will owe no man. All that you've done to the glory of God will be blessed. Amen. Your time of prayer privately will be blessed. Jesus said, if you pray, go into your closet and pray to your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Amen. What you do in secret, God will reward you publicly. Amen. And a lot of times people don't understand why others are being blessed. You look at those that are being blessed and you, you wonder why are they being blessed? Why not me? Well, the, the question you need to ask is, what are they doing in secret? What are they doing to the glory of God that you may not know? You may not be aware of what they do with the Lord in privacy. And God shows up and God blesses them. And then you look at them and you wonder, oh my goodness, this man is so blessed. Why is it that this man always testifies on Sundays? Because there are things that he does that others may not do. And if you do what others don't do, you're going to get what others will not get. Amen. At the end of the day, God is the one who settles accounts. Not your friend, not your neighbor, not your pastor. I may not be aware of what you do, but God is aware. Come on now, say amen. Amen. And when you do the right thing, you do it consistently, you will attract God's glory and God's favor into your life. Amen. The Bible says God will not forget your labor of love. So let him that is sowing the right seeds continue. Don't give up. It might seem as if the harvest hasn't come, but I promise you, Based on the word of God, the harvest is on the way. Amen. And when the harvest breaks, it's going to be big. Amen. 
I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I said the harvest, the harvest is going to be big. Don't live your life to please everybody. Don't try to show everyone what you are doing. Let God see. And when God sees, God will reward. Notice Jesus said that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's a good one. He will reward you openly. In other words, what you do in secret, God will expose in public. (laughs) Hallelujah. And when God exposes you in public, it will be a place of honor, a place of blessing, a place of glory, a place of prosperity, a place of increase. Come on, say amen. Amen. And people will look at you and they will envy you. I said they're going to envy you. That amen needs prayer this morning. I said people are going to look at you and they will will envy you. Because great shall be the goodness of God in your life. And when they come to you and ask you, why is it that you are the only one that's always getting blessed? You will say to them, you have no idea of what I do in private. You have no idea of how much I pray. You have no idea of how much I give. And my giving is not limited to Sunday morning. You have no idea that I give every day. Someone says, is it possible to give every day? Absolutely. Natural fact, that's how we must live our lives. We must live our lives to give every single day. And when you give every single day, you're going to reap every single day. God wants you to reap every day. Oh my goodness. God wants you to reap every day. Yes, I understand that there is a season to sow and there is a season to reap. But if you sow every day, then what happens is your season will always come every single day. Praise God. So God knows your works. Don't ever forget this. And God will not forget all that you've done to his glory. That's why the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Because it is from the Lord, you shall Receive your reward. Tell your neighbor, God will reward you. you. Did your neighbor say amen to that? Say, I hope you realize when they told you God will reward you, that was a prophecy. Yeah, a lot of times people think prophecy is only when we say, Lo prasatananti ekono does say at the Lord. When someone speaks the word of God over your life, they are prophesying over your life. God will reward you. And when you say amen, that means you're mixing your faith with that word. When you mix your faith with the word of God, the word of God will produce a harvest. God will reward you. All the good things you've done will never go unnoticed. Your giving will not go unnoticed. All the support that you give to people around you will not go unnoticed. The encouragement will not go unnoticed. When people are down, there you are, encouraging them, holding their hands, and and saying, it's going to be okay. That will never go unnoticed. Everything you do to the glory of God, to help people, will always be rewarded. Let me say that again. God will owe no man. It is God who said to us, owe no man anything but to love. So if God says don't owe any man, that means God will not owe any man. Because God never tells us to do what he would not do. 
God will not owe you. I said, God will not owe you. Amen. God's not a debtor. Come on now, say amen. amen. God will owe you nothing. Amen. So if you're good, keep doing good. Keep doing good. Amen. Keep doing good. Amen. Because God knows your works. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 15 says, I know your works. I know your works. I like that. But then in this case with this church that we look at here in the book of Revelation chapter 3, he says, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. I want you to notice that there are three spiritual temperatures that is revealed to us in the Bible. Everyone say three. three. Now, if there was a way I could stick something into you to test your temperature something spiritual that i could stick into you maybe through your nose or through your mouth to see the state of your heart if there is a device like that i would like to use it but there is no device in the natural like that that you can stick through someone's nose or eyes or ears to check how their condition is in the spirit. Everyone that's here today, you've got a spiritual condition. There are three spiritual temperatures. Only three. The first one is hot. The second is lukewarm. And the third is cold. So everyone that's sitting here today is either hot, lukewarm, or cold. Everyone say hot. hot. Say lukewarm. lukewarm. Cold. 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 These are the three spiritual temperatures that we have here. Maybe, maybe not here today. But, but these are the three spiritual temperatures that the Bible provides. That the Bible shows us. You are hot. Or you are lukewarm. Or you are cold. Say it with me. You are hot. Or you're lukewarm, or you're cold. So these are the three spiritual temperatures that we see in the Bible. So Jesus says to them, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. <clears throat> now this particular church was not cold, was not hot. They were lukewarm. They were lukewarm. Another word for that is so-so. <laughs> That's another word for that. that it, it's so-so. This church was so-so. <laughs> That's another word for that. Wishy-washy. That's another word for that. It's so-so, wishy-washy, indifferent. Yeah. What, how do you say that in French? Huh? Come see, come sir. What's come see, come sir? Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that in my note. I wrote that in my note. I wrote come see, come sir in my note. I did not want to get it wrong. That's why I asked you guys. And you were saying something else. No, it is shared, shared what? Yeah. It is not hot. Not cold. Yeah. It's lukewarm. Yeah. But come see, come sir. Yeah. So, 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 so. Let's use, let's, let's use a French 
let's use a French slang. Uh, so, so, come see, come saw. So this is what the Bible is talking about. Jesus is saying to them, you are come see, come saw. And some people in the body of Christ are come see, come saw. They are indifferent. They are so, so, they are wishy-washy. God does not want you to be wishy-washy. God does not want you to be so-so, come see, come sir. God wants you to be on fire. God wants you to be hot. God wants you burning with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. John the Baptist speaking, he said, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that is coming after me is mightier than I am. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to carry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So John the Baptist is saying you shouldn't be come see come sir. You should not be so so you should be hot burning with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come on now say amen. amen. And this church preaches on the fire of the Holy Ghost. And if you sit in this place, I want to encourage you to get hungry for God so that He will fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire. God is still pouring out His fire on the church. The fire was not for the believers in the book of Acts. Only the fire is for us today. Come on now, say amen. amen. This is not a time to sit on the fence. This is not a time to be indifferent about the things of God. This is a time to be hot. This is a time to be totally, completely sold out to the purposes of heaven. You know that we live in the last days. In actual fact, I'll take it a bit farther. We live in the last seconds of the last days. We don't just live in the last days because in Acts 2, Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah that it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. By the prophet Joel, I'm sorry. Come on now, say amen. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, notice he says we are in the last days already. 2,000 years ago, we were introduced to the last days. 2,000 years later, we must be in the last seconds of the last days. And things are wrapping up very, very fast. And if things are wrapping up very, very fast, this is not a time for any believer to be indifferent. This is not a time for any believer to be come see, come saw, to be so-so. This is a time for everyone that is born again, that loves Jesus, to be on fire, living a life that brings glory to God, and doing that which honors God and brings glory to Him. Amen. Tell your neighbor, don't be indifferent. Don't become sick, come, sir. Come on now, say amen. amen. This is important. Say amen. amen. This is a time to serve God wholeheartedly. Or to serve the devil wholeheartedly. See, you're either going to serve God wholeheartedly or serve the devil wholeheartedly. And I have proposed this many times. Listen to what I propose. And I want to propose again. If you want to serve God, do it with everything you've got. 
But if you don't want to serve God with everything you've got, you want to play games, just don't bother about serving God. Serve the devil and give the devil everything you've got. Because at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to one out of two places. Heaven or hell. So when you go, or if you go to hell, you know that you did everything you could to serve the devil well. No, here is the problem. Here is a problem a lot of times in the church and with many Christians. They, they say they're serving God, but they look depressed. And the reason they look depressed is because they are not wholeheartedly serving God. Some of the most miserable people on the planet are Christians who are outside the will of God. You're listening to what I'm telling you. These are the most miserable people because, because there is this constant war taking place in, on the inside of them. They know that they should be serving God, but they know they are not serving God like they should. And so it brings all kinds of frustration. And they are not happy. Sometimes you look at Christians, they come to church, they look like they're sucking on Lemon. There is no joy. There is no peace. Why is there no joy? Why is there no peace? It is because they are kamsi kamsa. It is because they are wishy-washy. God does not want you to be a wishy-washy Christian. God wants you to be a Christian that is wholeheartedly serving God. And that is the church that Jesus is coming back for. It's coming back for a church that is burning with the fire of God. It's coming back for a church that is completely, wholeheartedly committed to the things of God. It's coming back for a church that is the church on Sunday and that is the church on Monday. And that is the church on Tuesday. And that is the church on Wednesday. And that is the church on Thursday. That you are not just the church on Sunday, but you are the church every day of the week. Amen. Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. <laughs> that is the kind of church is coming back for. That is totally and completely sold out to the things of God. And I want to encourage you this morning that you should be totally, you should be completely sold out to God and to the purposes of the kingdom of God. Don't sit on the fence. Don't be indifferent. Be hot. Look at verse number 16. Are you still here with me? <laughs> so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, who is speaking here? Jesus is the one speaking. Now, I want you to understand the book of Revelation. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. The book of Revelation is not the revelation of the dragon. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is where people get it wrong because they think it is about the Antichrist. 
This is not about the Antichrist. This is about Jesus Christ. People are scared to read the book. Because they think, oh my God, the book is filled with doom and gloom. The book is filled with doom and gloom for those that will miss the rapture. And I want to say this, that the rapture is the next big event on God's prophetic timeline. And the church should be ready to be raptured. And when we get the heaven out of this place, that is when the wrath of God will be unleashed. But while we are here as the church, the wrath of God will not be unleashed upon us. Come on now, say amen. amen. The wrath of God will not be unleashed upon his own people. Why will God pour out his wrath upon you? Come on, think about that. God's wrath is not for his people. His people are in Christ. We are free from the wrath of God. That amen is weak. Amen. <laughs> we are free from the wrath of God. Amen. The Bible says, he, watch this, he that has the son has life. What do you have? Because you have the son. The son is Jesus Christ. If you have the son, you have life. But if you don't have the son, you don't have life. You don't have life. So because we have Jesus, we have life. And it is not possible for God to pour out his wrath upon Jesus. Are you listening now? Because we are in Christ, the wrath of God cannot be poured out on us. I don't, sometimes you just think about how people think. I mean, the way people think and the theology that they have, saying that the church will go through the tribulation. And I've had this discussion with a few people, you know, people that are even leaders in the church. And they are still confused. They are still confused about whether the church will go through the tribulation or not. But some of them have this persuasion that the church will go through the tribulation. No, the church will not go through the tribulation. Because the tribulation, watch this now, it's the wrath of God released upon ungodliness are you ungodly don't sleep on me come on are you ungodly do do i have to speak and scream and run around before you get excited this morning are you ungodly now if you are not ungodly then why should god pour out his wrath upon you why god would not do that god is not unjust God is not unjust it will be injustice for god to pour out his judgment on you because Jesus took your place. And if Jesus took your place, that means you are not supposed to suffer the wrath of God again. For the wages of sin is what? Death. You know what that means? That means death in every area. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what we have is liberty, blessing, freedom, glory, prosperity. Come on, that's what we have. We, we, we are not destined for the wrath of God. 
It's a no-brainer. If you're sitting here this morning and you have not received this life, then you are the one that will be suffering the wrath of God. The Bible says the wrath of God is revealed towards all ungodliness. We are not ungodly. And I emphasized this on Wednesday. I made it very clear that you and I are holy. Oh, but Pastor God, you don't know what I did yesterday night. What you did yesterday night does not negate your position. Now, I'm not saying you should continue. But I'm saying it does not negate your position in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, what does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So notice this water here is in the bottle. The water is where? In the bottle. The water is protected by the bottle. If any man is in Christ, the man is a new creature. The old is gone. Unholiness is gone. Unrighteousness is gone. Judgment is gone. And the new has come. Amen. Goodness has come. Amen. Grace has come. Amen. Forgiveness has come. Amen. Life has come. Amen. Come on and say amen. amen. The holiness of God is in you. The holiness of God, listen to what I'm about to tell you. The holiness of God is in you because of Jesus. Amen. That is the reason why religion cannot help. Because religion tells you to do things to please God. And when you do things that pleases God, God will accept you. But God never accepts a man because the man pleases him. God accepted us because Jesus pleased him. Oh, you think you are accepted because of you? You think you are accepted? Do you think you are sitting here today because you're a good girl? Because you're a good boy? Or because you do everything right? Is that the reason why you're accepted? No, you were accepted because of Jesus. That is the gospel. It is not bad news. It is good news. Come on now, say amen. He that knew no sin. Became sin. Notice he did not become a sinner. Because he never sinned. The sinless lamb of God lived on this earth for 33 and a half years and never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in every area. But he did not sin. You and I have sinned. Oh, that yes is very weak. <laughs> for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You and I have sinned. I said sinned. I didn't say you and I are sinners. Notice the difference in grammar. I did not say you and I are sinners. I said you and I have sinned. Past tense. You and I are not sinners. Just like the religious people teach. You are a sinner saved by grace. No, you are not. You were a sinner. But because of what Jesus did, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Somebody needs to appreciate Jesus for what he did. Come on. 
So it is what he did that set me free. And it is what he did that keeps me free. Not what I do. The moment the attention is turned away from Jesus to you, you're going to fail. The attention must always be Jesus. Amen. It's what he did. It's who he is. That's who I am. That's what I am. That's what I've got. Praise God. So some of you are going to stop beating yourself up because some of you, you beat yourself up so badly and you give the devil an advantage over you. Don't give the devil an advantage over you. The devil is defeated. Tell your neighbor, I am holy. holy. Say it like you mean it. Forget what you did yesterday night. Say it, I am holy. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, people need to hear this stuff. Why? Because this is freedom. I want to see everyone in this place rise up in their identity. Your identity is in Jesus. Your, your identity is not in how good you are. And how many of you know that none of us can be good enough for God? You can try all you want. You cannot. So God does not look at you as you. God looks at you through Jesus. Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. Without the grace of God, you are nobody. Come on now, say amen. amen. And stop beating yourself up because of the mistakes that you've made. Well, look at you. You call yourself a Christian. Look at you. Look at you. And the devil will pound this nonsense into your mind. And he will keep pounding into your mind. And he gets you to the point where you believe that you're worthless. You are, you are a worm that's crawling on the ground. No, you are not. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Come on now. He loves you. Amen. I said he loves you. Amen. I said he loves you. Amen. You see, the interesting thing is he loved you even before you knew him. So his love for you hasn't changed because you messed up. Because before you knew him, when you were messing up bad, <laughs> he still loved you. He still loved you to the point where he left the glories of heaven and came down to dusty earth. And walked upon the earth for 33 and a half years, tempted in every way. You know what it means for Jesus to leave the glories of heaven? The Bible says, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was so very rich. He was so very what? He was so very rich. But for your sakes, he became poor. That you through his poverty might become rich. Hallelujah. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. So what Jesus did on the cross was an exchange. He took my place and gave me his place. He took my sin and gave me his righteousness. Hallelujah. He took my filthiness and gave me his purity. 
Hallelujah. He took my poverty and gave me his wealth. He took my bondage and gave me his freedom. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. He he took my hopelessness and gave me hope. He took my hell and gave me his heaven. Oh my goodness, somebody ought to give God praise for, for what he did for us. Hallelujah. Because we are in him, we are who we are. Now, as a Christian, your good works should come out of your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing what? Was he doing bad? What was he doing? Yeah. Who went about doing good? So what that means, you and I can also do good. Because we can do what he did by his grace. Say it, I can do what he did by his grace. I can do good. And I will do good. This week, I'll do good. By the grace of God. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. So he did good. He didn't do bad. He did good. I can do good. You can do good. I can live right. You can live right. By the grace of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. People are struggling with all kinds of things because they don't understand this gospel. This gospel is simple. This gospel is easy. This gospel is not designed to put you in bondage. This gospel is designed to bring you into liberty. You can do good. You can live right. You can overcome. And in actual fact, you will overcome. Praise God. Is this blessing anybody here today? I want to show you 10 major characteristics of a hot believer. That was a hot believer. A believer that is on fire. A believer that is burning. This is, this is one of the temperatures that we see in the Bible. A believer that is hot. Number one characteristics of a believer that's hot. They have a prayer life. A hot believer prays. There is a prayer life. It is a life of prayer. It is not praying intermittently. It is not praying once in a week. It is praying constantly and regularly. It is praying always. So a believer that is on fire for God prays always. So they have a prayer life. I'm sure you have a prayer life. Uh, Just in this section. I said I'm sure you have a prayer life. I said, I'm sure you have a prayer life. Your your prayer life is hot. That's a believer that's hot, praying. And let me say this to you. This this will help people here. Your prayer life does not mean locking yourself up in your bedroom, praying for five hours every day. Yes, that is amazing, but it's not limited to that. A man 
or a woman with a prayer life is always praying. Mean always praying? How can you always pray? Ephesians 6 says praying always. Verse number 18, praying always with all kinds of prayer. So we can pray always. Now praying always does not necessarily mean talking always. Praying always also means staying aware of the presence of God. Praying always also means giving God thanks. Praying always also means keeping your spiritual antennas up. Because prayer is a two-way street. It is not a one-way street. Say to me, prayer, prayer. is a two-way street. It's a communication. It's a fellowship. It's an interaction with God. That's what prayer is. So a man or a woman with a prayer life is always interacting with God. Remember what Paul said? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the what? The fellowship. The word fellowship there is communion. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So you might lock yourself up in your bedroom and pray for three hours straight. But when you leave your bedroom and you step out and start doing business all over town. The question is, do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Because some people think it is just the two hour prayer at home in the morning. No, it's not. The two-hour prayer at home in the morning is great, but that does not make you a man of prayer. A man of prayer is always talking to God. A man of prayer is always listening to God. A man of prayer is always in the presence of God. A man of prayer is always aware of the presence of God. A man of prayer is aware of the presence of God in the midst of a hundred people. You did not get that. A man of prayer is aware of the presence of God in the midst of 100 people. 100 people might be sitting there, but you are more aware of God than you are aware of the people in the room. That's a man of prayer. Come on now, say amen. amen. A man of prayer is always grateful to God. Every little thing that happens, Father, thank you. Do you know when I just said, Father, thank you, I prayed? I just prayed. Lord, thank you. Glory. Do you know when I just said, glory, I prayed? You see, you live in this environment of the presence of God. You, you, you are so aware of God. That means you have a life, a life of prayer. So a believer that's hot is a believer with a life of prayer. Come on now, say amen. amen. Now, this is not clock in and clock out. You know, there is this thing back in the day. Of course, people have gone digital. Companies and places of work have gone digital. So people don't necessarily clock in their cards anymore. But I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, you go to the office, you clock in your card. And then you clock out in the evening when you're about to leave the office. Correct? Yes. That's not the way you treat God. You don't, Lord, I'm here to clocking this morning. <laughs> you're clocking at 6 a.m. 6, I pray 6 a.m. every day. That's wonderful. 
But for some people, it has come to the point where it's just clocking in and clocking out. Lord, I'm here to clock in this morning, and I've clocked in my one-hour prayer this morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., and then you run into your bathroom, you take your bath, and you head off to the office. And then the next time you talk to God, it's when you're about to go to bed at 9. Lord, I'm about to clock in my card before I go to bed. But what happened from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m.? Can someone say amen? amen? So a believer that's on fire, a believer that's hot, is a believer with a prayer life. They love to pray. I said they love to pray. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Number two, they have devotional time. You know, prayer is not your devotional time. Devotional time is different. Devotional time is a time of reading the word. Devotional time is a time where you hear the voice of God speak to you through his word. Devotional time is your time of meditation. A time where you separate yourself from everything and everyone else. You turn off your phone and you look into the word. And you stay attentive to the voice of God because God is going to speak to you. I was hanging out with a pastor. In actual fact, the bishop, one of the major ministries in Africa. Uh, I met with him yesterday and we were just talking. And as we were talking, he, he said something. And I said, I, I, basically, I, I buy into that. He said, the number one way God speaks to me. Listen to what he said. He said, the number one way God speaks to me is by his word. I said, that's me, the same thing. The number one way God speaks to me is by his word. Some people are waiting to see dreams at night. And the dreams that some people are seeing is pizza dream, fufu dreams. <laughs> dreams that are not orchestrated by the Lord. Why? Because they don't give value to the word. You cannot treat the word of God the way you treat the word of God and expect to see a godly dream at night. The number one way that God's going to speak to you will be by his word. And if you value the word of God, every dream that God will show to you will line up with his word. Are you listening to me? Yeah. This is where many people get deceived. There are places where money is prophesied out of people's pockets. And people get hurt. Just the other day someone was telling me how... He said, I'll never go there again. I'll never be there. My spirit is no more there. I'll never go there because the, 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 the man was prophesying money out of our pockets. Prophesying money out of your pocket? If you know the word of God, nobody will prophesy money out of your pocket. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. People get prophecies. Oh, the Lord is calling you to India. India, India. Go to India. God have never told you to go to India. Why should you go to India? Because somebody told you. And you get to India. And the devils in India eat you for breakfast. Because God will protect you where he sends you. You didn't hear me. I said God will protect you where he sends you. Amen. Oh, but Pastor God will. It was my prophet in Africa. He told me that I should go to India. That's why I went to India. Okay. Your prophet told you, but God hasn't told you. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. Did God tell you? 
See, it's not an information, my friends. It's, it's a confirmation. So your devotional time prepares you for what is going to happen outside. The more word you have in you, the more protected you are. Oh yeah. The more you know the truth, the less the possibility of deception. And one of the things that's running rampant in these last days is the spirit of deception. The my goodness, the spirit of deception is running rampant and so many are being deceived. That is the reason why each of us must make God's word ultimate priority. The Bible says that God has exalted his word above his name. So if God has exalted his word above his name, then we must give God's word first place in our own lives. Tell your neighbor, I will not be deceived. And if you are not going to be deceived, you're going to give God's word priority. I want to say priority. Priority. When you are hot, going a day without the word just makes you sick. It's true. The whole day, you haven't even opened the word. You haven't listened to the voice of God. The whole day. No, a hot believer don't do that. You, you can't get too busy not to read. You can't get too busy not to hear God. You can't get, oh, I'm too busy. I have to leave home very early in the morning. If you have to leave home very early in the morning, to do what? To go to work. Okay, wake up an hour before you leave home. And look in God's word. Come on, say amen. amen. Or when you get back home before you go to bed, open the word of God and go through the word of God and let God speak to you. Devotional time. Devotional time. Devotional time. You know what I mean by devotional time? Where you separate yourself from everyone else. It, it's not your prayer time. Your prayer time is one thing. Your devotional time is another thing. What I do for the most part is my prayer time. When I'm done with it, I switch over to my devotional time. I pray. I'm done praying. And I begin to read the word. Can you, can, can, can you do that? It's possible. It's possible. And, and I don't just open the Bible at random. Proverbs chapter 19. Verse 1. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity... <laughs> Than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Okay, let me try another thing. <laughs> you don't read the Bible like this. You're going to be so confused. That's not how to read God's word. There is a systematic way to read. Come on, say amen. amen. When Pastor Corey was ministering here last week, 
I felt in my spirit, listen to what I felt in my spirit, and I took note immediately, and I've embarked upon it. As he was ministering, I felt in my spirit to read the book of Acts again for the next three months. For the next what? For the next three months, the only book I will read is the book of Acts. That's what I felt in my spirit, and I began doing it. Only the book of Acts. So I started reading the book of Acts. I lay in bed at night. Before I go to bed, I, I read the book of Acts. Just read, read, and then I fall asleep reading the book of Acts. But that's what was impressed in my spirit. And I'm seeing new things in the book of Acts. I've read it over and over again. I've taught it in Bible school, but I felt the impression of the Spirit of God to read the book of Acts again. Why? Well, God has got something he wants to do, obviously. And so I took, I took note and I said, I'm going to read the book of Acts. Only the book of Acts I'm going to read for three months. So if I finish the book of Acts, before it's three months, I'll go back to the book of Acts again. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And I'm getting some new things, some new stuff. I'm highlighting stuff in the book of Acts and I'm getting blessed. Why? Because that is the proper way to read and to study. But if you go like this, mini, mini, money, mo, what am I going to read now? Holy Spirit, show me wherever my hand points at. That is the voice of God for me in Jesus' name. <laughs> and Cain killed Abel. <laughs> Are you going to kill your brother? <laughs> what is God saying to you? Go and kill your brother. Is that what God? No, no. But if you read that way, you're going to be confused. Because now you just read a verse. Cain killed Abel. But you need to read the whole thing to see the context. Come on now, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So you read your Bible regularly. That was it regularly. Number three, a believer who is hot. They regularly attend church services. Oh, yeah, I know you, this is pastor. What kind of message is this? So simple. Yeah, how complicated do you want it to get? Huh? You want it complicated? No, I don't preach complicated messages. What I'm teaching you right now will help you be who God wants you to be. What I'm teaching you right now will give you the victory that you need out there in the world where you have all kinds of challenges. They regularly attend church meetings. They don't come on Christmas Day. They come every time the door is open. That's what you mean I should be in church every time the door is open? Yes. You should be in church every time the door is open. Now, in this case, we have how many services in a week? We have the Sunday services. If you are in the English congregation, you come to the 11 a.m. service. If you are in the Turkish, you come to the 3 p.m. service. If you are in the French congregation, you come to the 6.30 p.m. service. 
And then we have a midweek service on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Pastor Godwin, should I be a part of that? Absolutely. And then we have a prayer meeting on Thursday. Should I also come to pray on Thursday? Absolutely. Because when you are hot, you are constantly attending church services. David said, I was glad. When they said, let us go to the house of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. I was glad. David said, the, the zeal of your house have consumed me. Do you have the zeal for the house of God today? Oh my goodness, am I speaking to anybody here today? Yeah. Do you have the zeal for the house of God today? Yes. David said, the zeal of your house have eaten me up, has consumed me. And so you, you've got to understand that there is a zeal that burns in us for the house of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You see, so there is this fire that burns in the believer that takes him to church. When I gave my life to Christ, I did not need anyone to tell me to go to church. It became automatic. I won't say automatic. It just became automatic. I don't get it when people say church is at home. Church is in the heart. And what the devil has tried to do in the last two years with the pandemic is to get the church to stay at home. I'm telling you right now, when this thing had started, the Lord gave me a dream and I shared with our staff and a few people because there are things that you don't want to share publicly because people cannot handle it. They start arguing with you. But the Lord said to me in a dream, the Lord showed me that this is an attack against the church. This is an attack against the church to silence the church. This is an attack against the church to shut the church up. Because the devil knows that the only institution in this earth that can push back on his plan is the church. We are the only voice that can say no to the works of darkness. I said the United Nations cannot do it. The World Health Organization, who cannot do it? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Listen, the only institution that can say no to the works of darkness is the church. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Whatever ye bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever ye loose on earth is loose in heaven. Why? Because he has given us the keys to the kingdom. Amen. The church is the only institution. And the devil knows that if I get the church to sit at home, now what's the big deal today? The big deal today is online. Now, People may not be happy that I'm saying this, but I really don't care whether they're happy or not. The church is not designed to be online. Because in the days of Jesus, there was no online church. Oh, but in the days of Jesus, they did not have the internet. Yes, they did not have the internet, but Jesus knew there's going to be internet. Are you listening to me? There was, there's no provision in the Bible that says we should meet online. You're preaching to people you can't even see. I'm, I'm going to dedicate your baby online. <laughs> I'm going to baptize you online. Go, go into your bathtub and show me your, show me your face. Uh-huh. Is the water filled to the brim? Yeah. Okay, get in the pool on your bathtub. At the count of three. Fall in and fall out. 
No, no, no. Am I against online church? No, I'm not against. We do it. We, we have a big presence online. But the presence we have online is for those who don't live in Istanbul. It's getting very quiet now. This is, my, this is the understanding I have about this whole thing about online. For those who do not live in, in the city where the church is, then they can watch online. And that is if they don't have a church in the city where they live. You've got to let God, listen to this, you've got to let God plant you in a church, in a local assembly. Years ago, I was dealing with a friend of mine who said, I don't go to any, I don't go to any church, I just watch one preacher after another on God TV and TVN and Christian channels, Christian television. But here is the problem with that. The moment when you need counsel, those men will not be there to counsel you. When you need people to stand with you physically, they will not be there. I'm not against them. Praise God for all those amazing ministries that preaching the gospel on TV. Praise God for them. Praise God for online. But I want to say to you, you've got to be in a local assembly. Come on now, say praise the Lord. This is very important. Stay in a local church and commit to that local church and the vision of the local church. And be consistent in the local church. Don't be a secret disciple. Be a part of what the church is doing. Now for this church here, there is a vision. I say there is a vision. And we don't come around culture. We don't come around skin color. We don't come around nationality. We don't come around your passports. We, we don't come around all of that. All of that is natural. We come around the vision that God has given to this house. Amen. And the vision that God has given to this house is to bring in one million souls. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. That's the vision. Come on, say amen. amen. Through evangelism. And what else? Discipleship. And what else? Church planting. These are the three core values of this ministry. The vision is to bring in one million souls using these three core values. Are you listening to me now? These three core values guide the things we do. And if you are a part of this place, a part of this family, you have to know what the vision is. You have Because it is the vision that we come around. We don't come around culture. I don't, listen, Turkish, uh, Nigerian, uh, Brazilian, uh, American, it doesn't matter. Praise God for the multicultural nature of the church. But what matters really is the vision that the church has got. We are around a vision. Because if we want to come around culture, then I may not want to have anything to do with some people. Because your culture is different from my culture. Is that correct? Your language is different from my language. The way you dress is different from the way I dress. The way you speak, your skin color, your tone is different from my skin color and the tone. But I don't look at these things because we know no man after the flesh any longer. We now see everybody by the spirit. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
That's one of the things I love about this church. That's one of the things I love about revival. Because in revival, it is like heaven. Heaven is a place of all nations and all tribes and all tongues. Come on, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Is this blessing anybody here today? Number four, there is a consistency about their devotion. A Christian who is hot is consistent. Number five, when they are with unbelievers, they stand out. Yeah. They stand out. They don't fit in. Jesus did not fit in. Jesus was an oddity. You stand out. Praise God. Number six. They are not worldly. What appeals to the world does not appeal to them. Are you listening to me? Are you taking note of these things? You are not worldly. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. Number seven. When you take inventory of their lives... You will discover they spend more time with the affairs of the kingdom of God than anything else. They spend more time with the affairs of the kingdom of God than anything else. This man, this woman is hot. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Their treasure is in the kingdom. Their heart is in the kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So when you take inventory of your life, you discover that you are more in, in the things of God. People will mock you. They say, hey, all you do is go to church. I remember the days when we were persecuted for coming to the river. Oh, you guys should go to the river. Yeah, we go to the river. What's your problem with that? No, really, that's what people should have asked. What's your problem if, we, if people go to the river? You get persecuted for going to church? And some of the people that persecute you claim to be Christians. What kind of a Christian is that will persecute you for, for going to church? Oh, you didn't come to Turkey to go to church, 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 church all the time, church. You guys are going to Bible school. Now you, now you want to be a preacher? Yeah, I want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a drug dealer. Yeah, I want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pimp. Come on now, preaching good, say amen. amen. Yes, I, yes, I want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a swindler. Which one is better? Pick. Which is better? To be a drug dealer or to be a preacher? Which one is better? To be a swindler or to be a preacher? Which one is better? To be a pimp or to be a preacher? Which one is better? To be a prostitute or to be a preacher? Which, which one is better? To be... Oh yeah, these are the people that criticize you. They'll tell you, hey, you're going to go to church. And you look at their lives, you can see that they are more involved in demonic, devilish stuff. Hey, get away from me. Yes, I want to be a preacher. You came to Turkey to be a preacher? What's your business with that? What has that got to do with you? People cry over other people's issues. What's your business if I want to be a preacher? It's none of your business. It's my life. Let me leave it. Leave your life. 
And let's see in the next 10 years. Anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Yes. Or you sing on the, on the worship team. Oh my goodness. You go to rehearsal on Saturday. Your friends are going out and hanging out and going to drink in the bar. No, I don't want to drink in the bar. I don't want to go to nightclubs. I want to go to the house of God. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. You don't want to do what we do? No, I don't want to do what you do. I want to do what pleases God. But your family is expecting you to make a lot of money. God will take care of your family. Don't worry. Amen. Praise God. God take care of your family. I knew, I knew this guy. Oh my goodness. I followed up on this guy. I stayed with him. Back in those days, I would take him to Simit Sarai. In Taksim Square, that was all I could afford. I'll take him to Semisarai. I'll hang out with him. And I stayed with him. And he said to me, Pastor Godwell, I'm the eldest son in my family. I've got to work because I have so many that are looking up to me. I need to send money to them. I said to him, hey, bro, you don't need to do this now. Because you haven't found your feet. You're working and sending. You're working and sending. I don't know if you know, it says in, econ in, in economics that the wants of man are insatiable. Do you know that, right? That's what it says in economics. The wants of man are, are insatiable. You're going to be pouring into the poverty and pouring into the poverty and they'll never come out. That's a fact. The more you give, the more they ask. So I said to him, bro, stop it. Stop it. Let God establish you first so that you will have what it takes to help them. But right now, you can't. And at the end of the day, if your life goes south, they will continue. How many of you know? The same people you say you're going to die for, they're going to continue after you die. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a fact. Because the truth of the matter is when you... <laughs> They will continue living. Their lives will not stop. They will cry and cry and cry, but then three weeks later. <laughs> no, they're moving. I'm not saying you will die. I'm just saying that's the way it is with so many people. So they want to die for people. In no way am I saying don't take care of your family, but you let God build you first. Because when you have what it takes to take care of them, that's when you can adequately take care of them and it will not drown you. Come on now, say amen. amen. Is this helping anybody today? Yes. Number eight, they are always walking in the spirit. You're on fire, you're going to be walking in the spirit always. Say always? Yes, always. Well, Pastor Godwin, sometimes I get upset. When you get upset, repent and walk in the spirit. Can someone say amen? amen. Well, Pastor God, Pastor God is sometimes, uh, whatever you do, just repent and get back. Tell your neighbor, get back. Get back. Praise God. Number nine, they talk the talk and they walk the walk. You, you wouldn't find them doing things contrary to what they profess to be. Number 10, last but not the least, they don't want you to perceive them a certain way in public. Which is not the way they are in private. Ooh. You didn't get that. 
They do not want you to perceive them a certain way in public, which is not the way they are in private. That's pretense. Those that are on fire are not pretentious. They are real. In other words, what you see in public is what you see in privacy. Are you listening to me? Are you hot? Are you lukewarm? Are you cold? These are the three temperatures we see in the Bible. And I want to say to you, God wants everyone hot. And when you are hot, these things that I've just given to you, ten of them will naturally flow through your life. These are not things we try to do. All these people trying to live the Christian life. Pastor God, I'm trying. You just don't know. I'm trying. Don't try. Live. Tell your neighbor, don't try. Live. Just live. It's not something you try. Just live. 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 Live, live, live. Live, live, live. Stop trying. Start living. Stop trying. Start living. Stop trying. Start living. Live, 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 live. Tell your neighbor, live, 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 live. Hallelujah. This, this should encourage you, man. You can do this by God's grace. This life, this life is not. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, you haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. It's not hard. Oh my goodness, I was in high school and listen to what I told my, my friend, my very good friend at the time, David. Such a spiritual young man. We were both spiritual, but he was deep. One day I said to him, David, uh, prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. He said, no, God, well, prayer is not hard. It's hard when you do it in the flesh. <laughs> I, I felt like, you know, someone is smacky. I was, okay. I, was, I was a teenager at the time. He said, no, it's hard if you don't do it with, with the Holy Spirit. He said, no, it's easy. I, never, I was in high school. Never forget it. Prayer is not hard. The Christian life is not hard. It's hard when you try. It's easy when you let God do it. Amen. Just live. Tell your neighbor, just live. <laughs> when I just gave my life to Christ, man, like I said, I didn't need nobody to tell me to go to church. The, the, the nature that was in me just wanted to be in the house of God. The nature in me just wanted to pray. Nobody said pray. I did not sit through like a three-month seminar or five-month seminar to be taught how to pray. I just wanted to pray. Nobody, nobody was, oh, come on, read your Bible. Read your Bible, pray every day. Nobody was singing that to me. I just wanted to open the Word. My goodness, when I opened it, oh, wow, this is good. The more I read it, the more I felt good. The more I read it, the more I was sanctified. The more I read it, the more I understood the mind of God. I just wanted to read it. Come on now, say amen. amen. Nobody told me to read. Nobody told me to pray. Because the nature in you is the nature of God. And this nature wants to do these things. Nobody told me to go for outreach. I was not waiting for the church to say, Hey, next week we're all going to reach the lost. No, no, no. I was in school, man. Before we went on break, 
I already started making a plan for my personal outreach. 